Hello there, nerds, and welcome to Go To There, a 30 Rock podcast, the weekly chronological journey through 30 Rock, looking at the jokes, the references, the highs, the lows, and all of the blurgs that come with one of the best shows of the 21st century. As always, I'm your host, Curtis Stone, and joining me is... David Amick. And welcome to episode 58, season 3, episode 22, entitled Kidney Now, originally airing May 15th, 2009. David, if you would, please give us a quick summary slash synopsis of this episode. Jack decides that even if he can't give his father a kidney, he's going to make sure he gets one, which involves a big charity single performance. Tracy has been invited to give a graduation, high school graduation speech from the high school he never actually graduated from, and oh, and he wrestles with the demons of his past. Finally, Liz starts to make a name for herself from the Deal Breaker brand. Also, we learned that she is biphobic and went to elementary school with Cheryl Crow. Uh, yep. <laughs> Yeah, we learned that, all right. Uh, no, this is... Uh, I had memories of this episode, but I really enjoyed rewatching this episode. It was a lot of fun. Uh, it's super tight. Another one of those just, as soon as it starts, there's no downtime. Everything's just pushing, pushing, pushing to the end. Uh, a lot of funny bits in here. Uh, the Deal Breaker stuff is just fantastic. Biphobic nonsense aside. Uh, there's a lot of great one-liners and a lot of great bits that come out of that. Um, another Donald Glover cameo. Uh, Alan, Alden, Alan, ah, Alan Alda doing a fantastic job uh, back as Milton Green. And then the whole finale of the song is just, it's its utterly nonsensical and so silly and over the top, but it's like that's what 30 Rock over the last three seasons has shown what it is, so it makes sense with the brand. Uh really good really uh, it doesn't feel like a finale episode though like just because the last couple of have really felt more like it was setting something up this feels like it needed like one more episode to yeah. really be a, a good season finale yeah but, that's true because it ends on a big moment which is the charity single performance but it does but in terms right there's not really a big cliffhanger oh. or a big emotional moment it's just kind of here's all these celebrities singing the song yeah at the end but it which does, is, oh, which is a good moment. But it's <clears throat> like, since we're still building the deal breakers stuff, it feels like that would have been the hook. Like something happens with the deal breakers, and that continues into season yeah. four. And we'll we'll see that. But well, <clears throat> nothing <throat> nothing at the end of this episode. If I was watching this and I was like, oh, I can't wait to see more next year. Nothing here is hooking me into. I mean, I'm gonna watch it anyway because I'm a fan of the show. But. You know, something like uh, Parks and Rec always had like a hook. Always had a hook, or the I mean, office would have a hook to be like, "Come back next season." I don't think it has a big hook, but it does. I mean, there it does leave the deal breakers storyline open because she's starting all the success. She meets with an mm-hmm. agent to write a book and whatever. Yeah. So, I mean, it's 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 obviously leaving the impression that the next season is going to yeah. focus even more on how Liz, but like how, how Liz becomes famous, like in her own, as opposed but to just being behind the scenes. End on that. Rather than the, I don't think you could end this episode on like that big performance because it would have been. I mean, it would. It. it, I mean, tonally, like it's so big that it. I mean, it has to end the episode. I feel like anything, anything that comes after it would like just be that's true. Lost in the bombast of what came right before it. So yeah, but it also probably. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I'm saying maybe she could have got like a text or something and be like, "Let's turn Deal Breakers into a talk show," and then that's what leaves off. And then if we'd been a really quick tag, maybe that could have just something local, nothing like big or bombastic, but just something like that. But I mean, again, Thirty Rock hasn't set itself up to be a hook show to make you come back next week to continue the story. It really is mostly episodic, just goof about. So I don't expect that from the show. But just given that they are doing storylines, and they even at the end of the first season they hooked you in with like the heart attack and stuff like that. Like there was stuff sort of they've sort of done that before so it was weird to not see them do it again in this episode but it's still really solid also there's one one-liner that might be my favorite of the season I have to see i mean it's hard to say there's so many there's so many good one-liners that it's hard to remember every single thing but it's like there's one of the lines of this episode which obviously i'll talk to when we get to it it's just like was just like so random and absurd <laughs> Yeah, there's and there's also a lot of good visual stuff. There's one thing that I never knew was a reference to anything, and I I pulled the clip and I'll play it for for you and the and the viewer and the listeners too. But like uh, the scene where Tracy's crying, um, and Alan Alda has the line of what, crying about chickens and a baby. What I thought this was a comedy show. Apparently, that's a reference to the the final episode of Mash, and I looked into it. I like it's 
it's dark. It's a really dark yeah. story behind that. So like I kind of had to give pause after watching. I was like, wow. Uh, oh, right. Okay. So like, I guess that was a major because MASH was a comedy, but that would have yeah, been. But, it if, it, like but a, if it was like a dramatic moment, then well, yeah. then that It was like a comedy that reference. had dramedy in it. Right. That had <clears throat> dramatic moments because obviously they're dealing with the Korean War. So yes, there's elements that have to be heavy. But yeah, it was... I'd never caught that joke before, and then someone like sh- like I didn't know they did a Mash reference. I was like, "What?" And, uh, we'll talk more about Mash. I can't. I don't have, that I have nothing to say because I've I never mean, seen it. I'm aware of it. I knew it was in syndication when I was younger, but I was too young to get it, so I never really watched it. But uh, I think it's. I think Hulu has streaming. I don't. It's on. I've never really looked into it. I don't know. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if someone has streaming rights to it. But yeah, we'll we'll play that clip when we get there. So, uh, any other thoughts before we hop into Kidney Now? Let's hop into Kidney Now. Let's get us some kidneys. The cold open's basically going to just set up Liz, uh, or rather, it's just going to set up Jack's storyline, then we come back, and we'll get the rest of the bits filled in. Lemon, do you know what the kidney does? Of course. I was a kidney in my fifth grade school play. Oh, I'm the kidney. Yeah, their kidney is singing now. Milton needs a kidney. Milton, as in your dad? My dad? I don't know this guy. Professor Milton Green, who's writing a three-volume biography of Jimmy Carter. And if I give him a kidney, he could live to finish it. So what are you going to do? I don't know. He's too old for the waiting lists. And since Giuliani left, it's gotten tougher to harvest hobo organs. So it's up to me. And I don't want to be a match. It's too much. Does that make me a bad person? Of course not. This is really hard. I need your help. The brain helps you make decisions. Okay. And your colon pushes out. Okay, that's not helpful. Pay attention to the kidney joke. It'll come back later. That's called... Is that foreshadowing? Not really. Not really foreshadowing. It's more like a callback when it pops up later. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of foreshadowing, mild rant here. So, I know you don't care so much about the Marvel stuff, but... You generally pay attention to entertainment news, but so the Doctor Strange sequel that's coming out, it's lost its, I think it lost its screenwriter recently, and now apparently it lost its director, and Sam Raimi is tied to uh, direct it now, or has been confirmed to direct it. Variety's headline said, Sam Raimi and talks to direct. Their tweet said, Sam Raimi directing. So... I don't know what it is. It doesn't really matter. But anyway, in the original Sam Raimi Spider-Mans, there's a joke in it where Jonah Jameson is trying to come up with the name for the Spider-Man because he hasn't got a name yet. And he's just throwing out names. And he says, Doctor Strange? No, that's too silly. And then someone tweeted out a clip of that and said, oh, look at this unintentional foreshadowing. They must have known something. And it's like, do you you know what a reference is? Or what? Like, it just... It just, it kind of got under my skin a little bit. I, apparently, I don't know enough about any of that to get that. So, <laughs> well, Doctor Strange I know obviously how, is. A I know what Doctor Strange is. I know what Spider Man is. He exists in the Marvel comics. Yes. So, and they've crossed universes. Yes. But the reference in the context of the movie originally was: here's just a random Marvel character to name this character of Spider Man. Like that's the joke. And oh. when you watch the movie, the first in two thousand. 2000 it's like oh a reference but someone has now taken that sort of out of context and been like oh they must have seen this coming and it's like that's not foreshadowing it's literally just a reference and it's now coincidence that sam raimi is now going to direct dr strange <sighs> anyway i heard that the simpsons predicted that that was going to happen oh God. apparently the simpsons predicted coronavirus too like it's that's just good. like simpsons do predict everything that's what i just... have learned I don't know. People just don't seem to understand what a reference and a and a coincidence and foreshadowing is. They just seem to think they're all the same thing. I don't know. Anyway, how are you doing? Speaking of foreshadowing, <laughs> let's dissect a frog. Is that the scene? I don't remember. Uh, I don't think so. I think this is the deal breakers thing. It is. Yeah. NBC is making me go on the Von Tellis show to promote TGS. Oh, that show is the worst. I know. I swore I'd never go on again after that one time. We get paid to make each other laugh. Jenna, meet your half-sister Courtney! Give me my money, you bitch! 
They want me to go on as a relationship expert because of the Deal Breaker sketch. And since you're the face of Deal Breakers, you're going with me. What? No, come on. I thought you wanted the attention. Yeah, but not like that. Remember the other time you were on? And I was out like, talk to the hand. Jenna, come on out. You give me back my man, bitch. Can we just keep doing magazines? I will see you on Bontella, Liz. It's kind of sad we don't get to see Courtney ever again. I feel like I, she's I dead. I know. Spoiler alert. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. It just seems like if because we never hear Jenna talk about her family. Uh, we only we meet her mom finally in season four, but she's talking about her mom. And did you know? I think she talked about she talked about a sibling in season one. I think because remember she says this one this eye doesn't open all the way because my sister peed in it. So maybe Courtney Whoops. was a sister that peed in it. I don't know. Ah, but I wish we got to see more Courtney. That would have been fun. Oh, well. Oh, well. So, Vontella is, of course, a take on sort of the talk show slash trashy thing like Maury... Montel, I guess Montel, I just heard Montel, I just heard oh, bleh, 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 post, post all those like Jerry 90s Springer. into yeah, yeah like not quite not necessarily quite Jerry Springer level trashy but like not Oprah level it's like somewhere in the middle yeah. of it's continuing sort of like the season 2 yeah. gag of the Maury Povich thing yeah the Jefferson the Thomas Jefferson thing so it's continuing that but yeah that's what it, I, 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 I was like is this like a Wendy Williams thing is this like a Tyra show mm-hmm. but I think you're right in that it's more close to just a mishmash of that's yeah. Did you ever um, watch any of those I mean, daytime I'm, shows? Talk shows? I'm guilty of watching Jerry Springer because it was just like, I mean, I was Dear. 11 or 12. So I was like, not the right audience for it because it's meant for a mature audience. But, you know, it was just, it was people worse than me. So it's like, yeah, let's laugh at people that are in bad situations. I regret it because it's like, that's mean. But at the same time, it's just like, I don't know. It was people being raucous and crazy. Yeah. I don't know. So, in general, I have not really watched much of them, but there was one semester in college. My second year, there was, like, it was one, it was, like, I can't remember if it was, like, it was, it was, like, a couple afternoons a week that was, like, the only time that everyone was home in the apartment, and, like, randomly, like, one day, Maury was on or something, and, like, we watched it, and it was one of the, it was one of the, the, like, the, terrible you know teenage or teenage girl like acts out and like screams and whatever and, like we watch it and just like it just turned like all i remember is like we got like all these like running jokes because like she like pronounced like the way she pronounced like she would she didn't say whatever she'd say what they were like just like things like that that we would i think it was i remember that and there was all it probably wasn't the same episode, but I also remember like all like the oh you're you're not the father stuff and all that because that was I think Maury's big thing is the yeah. DNA test and whatever. Yeah, but I think I think he had so for five like, years of success. Yeah. So for like one semester, we watched a good amount of that, and like looking back, I was like uh, I don't feel great about that. No, I mean you don't feel good about it. I think the reason I enjoyed that more than I would watch something like Ellen or Oprah or whatever is because like the Oprah stuff, the Ellen stuff, it's all fluff. You know what I mean? Like it's all and it's it's great because it's all positive it's all happiness but then you realize all they're there is to just promote something and it's like well it's kind of hollow it's kind of empty and even if they are genuinely friends and being genuinely nice it's it feels so just plastic it just feels so fake and yeah. funny well, it's, that it's right not, it's, it's, it's celebrities nice. going on to promote things exactly and, and it's it's all predetermined whatever, so. it's all planned and it's all like we i have, mean it's you have 10 minutes to get out there do your bit and then we got it is just yeah. like well, it's i mean just not it's fun it's not that different from the late night shows right and there's I just no so stand there's just not a stand-up yeah. thing at the beginning like yeah. colbert you know it's 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 partly like once you sort of see behind the curtain of stuff like that and you realize that it's just like there's no magic to it that it's all just it's all strictly scheduled routine that's right. like you gotta go do 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 and it's like oh well that's yeah. not fun but I mean if you, if you, I mean a lot of the I mean a lot of the audience well, is moms who are at home right, who just right. want who want to watch they have something light one that's in the background exactly. and I mean it, well and, and anyone else who's home who just yeah. I mean whatever so and I don't but I think that's why the Jerry Springer stuff or the yeah the trashier stuff was more appealing because it was seemed way more unpredictable right because eventually you caught onto the pattern like of course they've invited these people on because they know they're going to cause a scene but it still was like you know it's going to cause a scene but you don't know when whereas uh 
Margot Robbie being on Jay Leno. She's not going to do anything outrageous. That was a random reference. I, that, I just the first two names that popped in my head, oh, but like okay. they're not going to do anything crazy. It's all pre-staged for the most part. There's very, very little surprise in a show like that. But, yes, and apparently the stories they tell are like not 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 scripted, but it's like it's like lined out in advance, like what what, what story they're going to tell and like the the beats of it or something. like Yeah, that. like uh, well, over Thanksgiving, I finished up Larry Sanders show, and it was very much behind. I mean, if you like Thirty Rock, I think we already talked about this, but if you like Thirty Rock, Larry Sanders shows would be a perfect accompaniment. Because it's behind the scenes of a talk show like that, of like Stephen Colbert or whatever. But yeah, you're right. They they meet with these people well in advance, and they're like, "All right, here's here's the talking points. Here's what you cannot ask me about things like that." And so like they have this ten question dialogue that they're going to be hitting them with, and it's all bullet points. And it's like that's fine. It's fluff. It's positive. Blah blah blah. It's just not not my kind of entertainment. But anyway, whew. Speaking of kidney transplantation, <laughs> Dr. Spaceman is back. Now, kidney transplantation is no laughing matter, so I apologize. <laughs> Kidney's just such a funny word. How long is this going to take, Leon? Uh, well, this is the consent form for the test today. This is incorrect, Doctor. I'm not giving him a kidney. It's the other way around. Oh, brother. Are you sure? If anyone is giving anyone a kidney at all, who knows? You know what? I'll just remember that it's the opposite of what they say. I'd really be more comfortable if you rewrote the form. No, I'll remember. Opposite, opposite, opposite. Okay, but you're clear that he's giving a kidney to me. I really think you're jumping the gun here. We don't even know for a match, so you shouldn't assume that you're going to get my kidney. No, of course. No, I'm sorry. It's just that without a kidney, I'm going to die. <laughs> I think it's a hard case sound that's making me giggle. <laughs> kidney. Jack still having hesitation? What would you call it? Well, yeah, I mean hesitation. Remorse? I mean, I say it's more. I say it's it's stronger than that. Fear? I mean, he feels like it's someone he barely knows, so he doesn't owe him a kidney. So he feels he he doesn't like being put in a position where he feels on one hand it's his father, so he should give it to him, but he really doesn't want to because he doesn't know him that much. And yeah, so I, I'd say I mean, what's stronger than hesitation? Like, I don't know. Are you an organ donor? I can't remember. I maybe. I think I am. I do remember. I I think I've changed it, but I remember when I first got my license, my mom was with me, and I wasn't paying attention that much. So the, when the person was asking, like, "Do you want to be an organ donor?" My mom was like, "No, absolutely not." And I was like, well, "I didn't." Okay, but and I think I think my mom is of the mindset of if you're an organ donor, people will let you die um, because right. To harvest, to your harvest organs. organs, which is not true. That is not a thing that people do. I'm sure it happened once, and that's where all the God. My mom has tons of old wives' tales that uh, I always check the gas pumps for needles. I always check the gas pumps, vending machines. I would say payphones. I don't think those exist around us anymore. But like, she just all these horror stories of you'll get AIDS because that's what people do. And she's like, no, one person probably did that, and it just spun out of control. Anyway. I think I am anyway. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I am. I've, I've since I've got anyway. Uh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, I don't know. I, I mean, would you give a family member a kidney or a, an organ? Probably. Probably. I mean, it depends. how well, how close do they have to be to you? I don't know. I guess I would have to. It would have to happen, and I would have to see how it goes. So, like, if they just come, I mean, I feel like most people in my family. I mean, in my like. When I say extended, I don't mean like third cousin, like a million times like removed. Close, but I mean yeah. within a, I mean within you know probably. I mean, if we're looking at my parents and their siblings and their children, if like someone needed a kidney or something, <clears throat> like I was the only match. Like I feel like I probably would because I mean, if I had, if I, you know what I mean, it, 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 yeah. If, if I only you, need there's one, a limit. Then, there's a limit yeah. to what you would. Yeah, I'd say about the same probably. I'd still probably go through all the testing to see. If, uh, if I'm a match. Well, obviously, you can't, yes. If you're no, not a match, no, you can't. I'm, I'm not saying, I, no, I'm saying, I like, I wouldn't even, like, not even attempt that. I would say that I'd, I'd at least attempt that and still then maybe determine uh, the weight of it. I don't know. That makes me sound like a monster. But anyway, speaking of monsters, there was Mr. Campbell at Tracy's High School. Mr. Jordan, exciting news. Your old high school wants you to speak at graduation. And they said you could drop up to five F-bombs. Not interested. Why not? Because Frank Lucas High School was a hellhole. 
Griznos, he was there. A drug dealer named Campbell, he ruled that school. He wanted me to find a snitch called Baby. Campbell wanted me to cut him open. Oh my, that's very urban. I wouldn't do it. I dropped out and I vowed never to go back to that place. Campbell was actually Mr. Campbell, his science teacher. His science teacher was a drug dealer? That's terrible. Science was my most favorite subject, especially the Old Testament. He wasn't a drug dealer. Tracy dropped out of high school because Mr. Campbell wanted him to dissect a frog. Tracy couldn't do it. He cried in front of the whole class. It was bad. I had to deny ever being friends with him. Just like Peter did to Jesus in science. So your people wrote the old science books for Kenneth. That's very nice. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's horrible. Yeah. I mean, it, it totally falls in line with Kenneth's yeah. upbringing that science class was Bible class, Bible study or Bible yeah. class. It just, uh, we already had the joke about him like making fun of women in math class. I feel like we had that, re- yes. we had that earlier this season. It's just more like, Jesus, what are they teaching in Stone Mountain? Well, uh, <laughs> or any of those areas of the world, well, of the United States, I should say. And poor, poor Tracy. Poor what Tracy. A terrible situation. Yeah. If it if it happened like he said it did. <laughs> I mean, if it did, like obviously it didn't. But if it did, that's a really messed yes, up situation for sure, for sure. Which I'm sure has happened at some point. But yeah, it's a quick. Tur- I, I'm glad they made that turn in that same scene and it wasn't something that was dragged out the entire episode because otherwise it would I mean it would be a bigger impact but it would it would mean you'd have to take way more much more time away from other yeah other I mean, I, yeah I don't think they would have had the time to do that anyway because no. there's it's a lot busy. of there's a lot yeah now on to the Vontella show where Liz and Jenna are guests if your boyfriend calls out his brother's name during sex that's a deal breaker ladies that skit was crazy. That actually happened to Liz. Vontella don't care who Liz is. Jenna, we have a surprise for you. I swear to God, Courtney, I will rip your wig off. No, honey, Courtney's dead. You are going to answer our audience's relationship questions. Yes! Didn't at the beginning of the show, she said that she was going on Von Vontella to talk about, to, to talk to viewers like audience people about their mm-hmm. relationships so why is that a, how is that a surprise because the way the way the scene plays out is she says here's a surprise for you you're gonna take questions then it gets the first question is like i don't know so but she the episode begins by saying she's going to do that so she, i well i just I, i'm confused well maybe jen just thought they were going to play her sketches and then maybe. comment on that not actually give questions from Maybe. the audience, because I think she does explicitly say we're going to go on. I'm going on Vontella to talk about deal breakers, which that's kind of open ended. It doesn't explicitly yeah. say you're going to be surprised or you're going to have to give advice. So the exact line is they want me to go on as a relationship expert. So to me, that says you're going to give advice about relationships. So what? Well, Why the, is I mean, the question that the first question she get is a mouthful. So I could giving Jenna the benefit of the doubt. It, it is fair to have some sort of pause, but yeah, but for her to be surprised when she says you're going to take questions from the audience, then it shows she just wasn't prepared. So it seems like they just kind of forgot that that was what yeah. they were setting up for this scene to be. Yeah. So yeah, I never caught that. I just assumed that they knew what they were getting into. I don't know. Well. We have to get to Liz. Liz becoming the, the star, exactly. The, the, the head of attention. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a fine way to play it. It's just it, it, remember, it struck me weird because it seems like yeah, it just seems like she already know that. She knows that from yeah, which talks about it earlier. Yeah. No, you're that's fair. That's a fair criticism. This guy I'm dating owns a tanning salon, but he won't let me tan for free. But he lets girls that he's friends with tan for free. So I go to this other tanning salon down the street to try not to make it a thing. But you know how there's no secrets in the tanning salon community. So what should I do? Um, I, I, I don't know. Liz? Oh, boy, well, whatever that just was, it's a deal breaker because this guy's making you talk like a crazy person. You have sexually transmitted crazy mouth. Deal breaker. My fiancé and I keep arguing about our wedding plans and... Nope, your fiancé is gay. Look at him. Look at you. Classic case of fruit blindness. Fruit blindness? Sir, have you ever kissed a gentleman? Uh, one time in college. Yeah. 
and a lot since then. My boyfriend has been acting really weird ever since he got promoted at his job. Yeah, he thinks he deserves a VJJ upgrade. He doesn't. He's not Tom Brady. Shut it down. Deal breaker. Yes, yes. Yeah, there's no such thing as bisexual. That's just something they invented in the 90s to sell hair products. Deal breaker. Only one snake in the bed. Deal breaker. Yes. I think you guys are going to make it. Okay. <laughs> that actually is a funny line, but still, Liz is a biphobe. And are we surprised? Not really. No, we shouldn't be. Um, I mean, it's... Even bisexuality in 2009 um, was still, like, just a, a joke. I mean, it's, it's to this day, it's still a joke, but... Oh, yeah. It was still... I mean, it was, this was pre-trans movement, so yeah. bisexuality was the next thing to make the jokes about because gay was already played out. So making jokes about bisexuality, eh, had a couple of years of, of, of running the gamut. But, yeah, I've, I, I, I don't think it's a funny joke in that it's bi-erasure or anything like that. No, but no. It's funny in that it's just, like, it's a great line because it's like, no, it's literally just a made-up thing because... There are tons of things that are made up to sell shit. We know that already by every hashtag free donut day or whatever that's out there. Happy um, National Pizza Happy Day. Happy National Pizza. There's just tons of stuff out there, but I don't know. Maybe maybe Liz was burnt by a bisexual partner in the past. Probably. And so she's bitter. She probably, probably. Out. I totally believe that Liz dated a bi guy once and she felt complicated about she, it. She, she was dating a guy uh, and he liked... He was so not desperate to get out of the relationship, but he ended up dating a guy as a result and called himself bi. And he probably was bi, and but she felt, or she, she even knew it going in, in. and she and felt she always, she always, well, and the whole time she was nervous. Oh, is he, is he gonna cheat on yeah. me with another guy? Yeah, yeah. But oh yeah, I mean, I totally does. I mean, yeah. So I was in college, what oh five to oh nine, and I like distinctly remember people who I was very shocked to hear them say things like. Why don't they just pick a side? Like other LGBT people yeah. who like, and I was just like people. I mean, who are generally like pretty smart, like pretty. I mean, progressive. Like say thing, and I was just. I remember being like, like what? Like it was like, it was just just like a strange concept to me because I don't know. Like I guess I I I was always just like of the belief of like everyone in the community should stick together. <laughs> but, like I didn't realize it. It was until it was in college when I really learned there was like so much like divisiveness in between like people with more cisgender or well, not cisgender but in, like the opposite of binary like str- like single single whatever single preference sexuality yeah and like prejudice against people who like you know are, are attracted to both genders or multiple genders or whatever so I, I and yeah. I just remember being shocked at the time but now I mean now I, Obviously yeah. not surprised, but I mean, I just remember the time thinking like, oh, I just seemed everyone was like, oh, yeah, you know, like you, you thought it was like a I mean, happy, happy place yeah. If you're a gay person who like knows, I mean, then it, I mean, of course there are other people who might be attracted to to persons, people, yeah, in parts but of that it. there's there's anyway, this infighting inside yeah. of the community that's supposed to be. Yeah, I know, mean, it still exists to this day. Yeah, so. yeah, it's 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 not good. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> I'll. The line is funny, so I'll give it a pass, but Liz is definitely biphobic. Yeah, yeah. But I, I like the headcanon now that I've created that she was just scorned by a bisexual partner in the past, and that's why she's lashing out. Doesn't excuse it, but that's that's my thought process. Anyway, we come to the realization uh, Kenneth tells Tracy the truth about his high school teacher. Mr. Jordan, I know Mr. Campbell wasn't a drug dealer. Yes, he was. I know he was your science teacher. No, he wasn't. And I know he didn't ask you to cut up baby. He asked you to cut up a frog. What frog? And I know you couldn't do it. And you cried. When have I ever cried? And that's why you left school. Because you were ashamed. It's true. There is no baby. I was chicken. I was chicken. A guy crying about a chicken and a baby? I thought this was a comedy show. Listen, you know I can get to Jack Donaghy's office? Uh, yes, sir. 52nd floor. Okay, so, again... Years ago, that scene really, did, why Alan Alda was in that scene really made no sense to me because it's just like, what a weird line to have. So, looking into it, from, again, from the farewell episode of MASH, uh, Alan Alda's character has witnessed something that has caused him to essentially just go crazy or have some sort of PTSD, something he can't quite handle. 
So the scene might run a little bit long, um, and whoever put this up on YouTube, thankfully, sort of edited it out and edited it pretty well, so it goes pretty quickly. But uh, yeah, it's a pretty gnarly scene that I think visually you have to watch. Uh, it helps, but uh, audibly it works as well. Was there anything about that you found upsetting? No, I'll tell you what I find upsetting is being in here. I want you to get me out of here. I don't care how you do it. You can put me on a plane, on a train, on a bus, on a slow boat to China. I'll go out on a mouse-drawn chariot. I don't care what. A bus, huh? Again with the bus? Why don't you subscribe to Arizona Highways and leave me alone? It's more fun with you. Damn chicken, quiet! Then what happened? Then I went back toward the front of the bus. What happened next? There's something wrong with it. It stopped making noise. It just... <laughs> just stopped. She killed it. She killed it. She killed the chicken? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I didn't mean for her to kill it. I, I just wanted it to be quiet. It was a baby. She she smothered her own baby. A chicken and a baby. <laughs> I thought this was supposed to be a comedy show. Yeah. Good lord, that was dark. That was intense. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know how to continue from that. <laughs> That's nuts. Uh and obviously there's more context to that uh, throughout the entire episode of that episode of MASH, but I think the context was they were just, it seems like, because that, that's a three-minute clip that I pulled that from, but it seems like they're on a, they're, well, they're obviously they're on a bus. It looks like they're maybe behind enemy lines or something, and they're in an area where there's people patrolling, so they have to keep quiet. So that's why he insists on the, the now baby to be quiet. Is it's going to attract attention. So it's just like, Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> what a really dark place for that to go. I'm get, Right, so I'm guessing then the seed of the 30 Rock joke is that there was a lot of, uh, well, not criticism, but talking the aftermath of it. Mash is a comedy. That was a dark joke for a, or that, not a dark joke. That was a dark yeah. moment for a comedy. I think, I think Mash got a reputation. There's even a line in a Family Guy episode where it's like, uh, yeah, I like MASH, but I like the earlier episodes before Alden Alda gets behind the camera and it becomes all maudlin. So I guess there's a turn in that series where it gets more dramatic than comedy. Because uh, I feel like that show either has a laugh track or like the first few seasons actually had like a laugh track in it, which is very weird for a show of that kind. But um, yeah, I think, I think that show has a turn where it leans more into the drama than comedy. So I think that's... It's not necessarily a criticism. Well, I get a criticism, but not a good or bad criticism. Just like a note, like, hey, this show. Yeah, so. Huh. Anyway, back to 30 Rock <laughs> and Tracy's confession and breakdown. Mr. Jordan, I understand how hard that must have been, but it was so long ago. You can't understand, Ken. Where I come from, street cred is everything. That's why when I left that school in shame, I vowed. Never to cry again. And I never have. Um. Yo, Dad! I love you, Dad! Or die a slice of some pita chips. I don't want to be here. I don't like it here. We're just calling y'all a bunch of racists. We're not really best friends. We're just good friends. I was chicken. I was chicken. I'm never going back to Frank Lucas High School to be reminded of my greatest failure. Mr. Jordan, I think it's sad that you're still ashamed of that kid. That kid is you. Uh-uh. I've changed, Ken, into a badass adult. 
I have a wolf dog, I have two bad knees, and a gun that I lost. So, now that we have all the stories in place, uh, Jack gets a call from Dr. Spaceman and gets the results if Milton and him are a match. But in the meantime, we saw Milton and Jack had a catch and got to learn a little bit about each other before Milton heads off, or is supposed to head back to, to school, as well as uh, Tracy has a run-in with a former high school classmate and sees that even though he graduated from that school and his life didn't necessarily turn out to be great because he just has a menial delivery job that even maybe Tracy could turn his life around, but I don't know what he's turning his life around from. He's $300 million superstar celebrity, so I don't know. He have a lot more money than that. I thought he made billions like of dollars off his video game. Yeah. So he must have, where'd he spend it all? His posse, maybe? Maybe. Hello? Jack, it's Leo. I got the uh, results of your blood work back. My guess, and? Well... Cytotoxic cross-match of target HLA resulted in lysis of cells. Now, Jack, in layman's terms, what do you think that means? I don't know. Could I give this guy a kidney or not? Due to negative blood tissue match, transplantation is not recommended. Damn it, is this written in Greek? It means we're not a match. Oh, sorry. I was really looking forward to putting your father's kidney in you. The other way around, Leo. <laughs> it's not what these forms say. There's a fun visual joke uh, when Spaceman is calling Jack where he's solving with massive air quotes a Rubik's Cube, but all he's doing is pulling the stickers off and putting them back on to match all the colors. And I did that. I did that as a kid because I don't know, but I remember I was at my grandmother's house and she caught me doing it and she got really mad about it. (laughs) She's like, you're a cheater. She's like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm solving the puzzle. And my thing is, if you solve the puzzle, you solve the puzzle. It doesn't say there's only one way to do it. Solution's a solution. You're, you're an outside-the-box thinker. Thank you Look at much. you. I did it. No thanks to you, Grandma. So Jack harnesses the power of his liberal media operation and invites a bunch of celebrities over to try to talk them into doing the benefit single. Yeah. Mary, uh, Elvis... Mr. Aiken, thank you all for coming here on such short notice. No problem. I just had my driver drop me off. So how come I saw you getting off the subway? What were you doing down there? Uh, okay. I asked the three of you to be here because you are all deeply committed to charity work. My Mary J. Blige Foundation is celebrating its 10th year of searching for the Loch Ness Monster. <laughs> that line is so random, so hilarious. It has nothing to do with anything I would ever think about happening yeah. with Mary J. Blige, I mean, that's which works. is why it works. Yeah. But... It's just like it just so bad. I don't know. Like I like Mary J. Blige in this because she's like I don't know my rep. My idea of what Mary J. Blige is is the same idea I have like Beyonce, where it's like no nonsense. Like like I I don't like making jokes. I don't. Not to say that they don't have fun or that they're no. But her her reputation is like is a a serious person generally. Stoic person. So like seeing her make a joke like. 10th year of searching or 10th year of like donating this but it's like no 10th year of searching for the Loch Ness Monster it's such a great line like it wouldn't work if Clay Aiken's doing it it wouldn't work if Elvis Costello it has to be Mary J. Blige it's so great well musicians have banded together before to solve all kinds of problems world hunger the collapse of the American farm global warming and uh you're over three guys I am disappointed in us as a group how about a problem you can solve one song, one man, one kidney. Let me get this straight. You want us to do a charity concert for one guy. Elvis, haven't you said that if a song reaches just one person, you've done your job? No, I've never said that. Fine. Listen, the man who needs the kidney is my father. We just met, and I don't want to lose him before I get a chance to know him. Please, I'm asking for your help. Okay, let's cut to the chase. MJ, you owe me. Who got you out of a 20-year exclusive performance contract at SeaWorld? Aiken, your cousin Kenneth Parcell already promised me you'd do this. And Elvis, or should I say Declan McManus, international art thief? Okay, Jack Donahue, you tumbled me. We'll do it. Before we get it, there, 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 there's a quick joke in the in the next scene um, where Sari is walking with her office and, and mentions she she's booking her for the 7th hour of the Today Show, which... 
I, I'm, I, I'm not sure how many hours of the Today Show there were back then, but I just saw an article the other day about them want, NBC wanting to add a fifth hour of the Today Show. So the seventh hour may not be that far off. I don't know. So that would put them at what? So they start at five, right? Uh, it might be six. Six oh. or seven and then last till... So that means that, that would push Kelly and whatever to... So I think that's ABC or is it syndicated? I don't know. So I think the traditional today is like six know. to... Seven to no, ten, or and then then I like the the, the Hoda uh, and ex, whoever replaced Kathy Lee is like ten to eleven. Kathy Lee's not on there. Yeah, she left. She left a little while ago, but oh, I can't no. remember who replaced her. But Hoda and whoever's there now is like the ten to eleven, maybe. Anyway, I guess they're at four hours right now, but they might be pushing it to five. Oh, so maybe they'll get to seven eventually. Twenty twenty five, we can make it happen. Uh, but anyway, all uh, Paula and Angie are in Liz's office because they have relationship advice and it starts a montage of seemingly everyone in 30 rock asking liz for advice dr liz we need some advice from the deal breaker lady i don't know if that's a good idea i know you and i know your husband i just found out tracy has a secret credit card i didn't know anything about not on my watch biatch and he's been using that credit card to pay for a hotel room here in new york two days a week s that d shut it down deal breaker paula pete is refusing to drive to my parents place for just two weeks of family vacation no to the way to the jose but paula talk it out before you walk it out and I'm here in New York while he's back in Hoglandavin. Long distance is the wrong distance, Sue. Deal breaker. Mickey Rourke wants to take me camping. Deal breaker, Jetta. God. And I haven't seen my fiance in seven months. Sari, I have two words for you. Robot warning. Okay, that catchphrase needs a little work. Deal breaker. Teach it like you preach it, Liz Lemon. So just click with me with this viewing, but that line of Suri, I haven't, I've seen my fiance in seven months, that'll come back because there's a through line in season four. And the reason we haven't seen her fiance or they've had to keep pushing off their marriage is because he was captured by pirates. <gasps> so that's a through line. They're setting something up there. So there's your hook. There's your season four hook. That's right. going to get you Can't to Can't we see back. what happens to Suri's fiance? <laughs> Tracy is giving his graduation ceremony speech. And we get a fun cameo from Donald Glover. I almost didn't make it here this afternoon, but then a very special friend of mine showed me the way. So I'd like to take a moment to thank Victor Cordova from the Sunoco Station on Lenox Avenue. But there's another reason why I almost didn't come today. Fear. Fear of letting people know the real me. I have but one thing to say to all of you. Be yourself. And I'm talking to you clearly, gay kid. Who told? And you, white kid, just trying to go unnoticed. Oh, come on. Just be yourself. And I guarantee you, every single person in this room will one day be president of the United States. Thank you. Tracy, before you go, I have a special surprise for you. Okay, but I'm allergic to horses. It is my pleasure to award you this honorary diploma. Congratulations. <laughs> Take a breath, Mr. Jordan. <laughs> so Jack is meeting with a couple other people to join his Kidney Now campaign. Uh, Adam, is it Adam Levine? Adam Levine. Yeah, I got it. Adam Levine and Cheryl Crow, who... Let's drop that she was also in a play playing a kidney in the fifth grade. Who could she be partnered with? Some loser. Some loser in fifth grade. I don't know. Um, but they commit to the bit. Uh, Liz is off to go meet a publisher about doing a deal breakers book. And she's confronted by Pete and Tracy, who explain the other side of the Angie and Paula stories. Sari, I'm going out for a couple hours. Okay, I'll just... Uh... I'm meeting a book agent about writing a deal-breaker book. He's going to take me to lunch wherever I want to go. Do you know if there's a sit-down Quiznos in Midtown? Never mind. Liz Lemon, you dumb bitch. What? Here's the reason I don't want to go on that family vacation. It's a working farm, and I'm the only one whose hands are big enough to guide the bull during mating. Yeah, well... Deal breaker. Shut up. There you are, you stupid cracker. You know why I get a hotel room? To poop in peace. No kids banging on the door, no phones ringing. It's my time every Tuesday and Thursday at 3 p.m. I don't know why I only go twice a week. 
That's what Angie should be worried about. You've got to stop giving advice. You don't know what you're talking about. No, I'm not stopping. I'm going to write a book. I have to. This is my next step. What are you talking about? This job isn't going to last forever, Pete. TGS has two years left. Tops. Pete, how am I going to live? I only have $300 million. Yeah, I feel like that's a really low number for what we know Tracy has done. Going back to what we were talking about at the beginning about how this doesn't necessarily set up any set up a hook. I guess it does because otherwise Liz's story just sort of ends right there that she went off to a book publisher and we literally had nothing that comes out of it. But we'll learn in season four. She's got a book deal. She's in talks for a TV show. Uh, she may have ripped off a lot of Tracy's life to write her book, things like that. So it's setting something up. It just... I feel like if we need one more scene, it would have been a better hook than nothing. But it's still acceptable. It's an still acceptable finale. It's just picking it apart. That's something that I would have changed. So it doesn't make sense to play the entire three three minute song. So we'll play that as the outro okay. to, to end the episode because that that makes more sense to me. Um, but there's a ton of cameos in here, and I'm gonna name them, and you can tell me if you know any of them, okay? I feel like you're gonna know most. Who's of them. Cheryl Crow? I don't know who that is. Didn't that the, the, the guy that dated Neil Armstrong? Lance Armstrong. That's the joke. All right. So first, starting off, we have Cheryl Crow and Adam Levine. Levine. Tomato, tomato. It doesn't matter. Uh, we have uh, Mary J. Blige, Clay Aiken. We have Mike D and Adam and Ad Rock. You know where they're from? The Beastie the Boys. Beastie Boys. Um, we've got Sarah Bareilles, Steve Earle. That's the one guy that I don't know. I thought it was Kenny Loggins. He's the guy that's in the middle between Wyclef Jean and Michael McDonald. Wyclef Jean. <laughs> Michael McDonald. Uh, Nora Jones. Tylee Kweli is the guy that's in between the two Beastie Boys. Cindy Lauper, of course. Michael McDonald. Rhett Miller. I don't know that one. He is the lead singer of the old 97s. The only oh. song that I know by them is Big Brown Eyes. It's a fantastic song. Seek it out. Moby is in there. He's with uh, Rhett Miller, and he's also with Rachel Yamagata. Oh, I do know her. You do know her. Look up her song, Quiet. It's a fantastic song. It was featured in an episode of How I Met Your Mother. It's a great song. Uh, singing with Cindy Lauper, we have a gentleman named Robert Randolph, who I've literally never heard of. I assume he's an R&B singer. And that rounds it out i think we've covered everybody so good job cindy lopper's the drunk one she's the drunk one uh steve earl is the only person that i don't know who he is um it's just i i assume he's a singer obviously but what an ignorant millennial you are i don't know who he is either duh american rock country and folk singer that could be anyone. I can, it's, it's a very broad description. Yeah. I I just assumed, I, for whatever reason, I thought it was Kenny Loggins, but I don't think Kenny Loggins looks anything like that. So yeah. that's, it's my ignorance, sure, but... Um, yeah. Also, I think the cameos, like, watching it from a 2020 perspective, are, like, notably pre-The Voice, because, well, obviously Adam Levine is there, but apart from that, like, if this would have been, I feel like, after The Voice had started, like, there would have been, you would have seen, like, a lot of the people who were judges on The Voice and, like, Voice Connected being being the singers in this scene. So, so because I was curious, I saw Adam Levine, I was like, wait, had The Voice already yet? But it was like, I'm pretty sure it hadn't. And definitely, like, CeeLo and Christina Aguilera and Blake Shelton, like, I can't imagine that they wouldn't have cameoed for this if, if, if the voice were running that. Yeah. So. Also, since Mary J. Blige has gotten an Oscar nomination for acting. Really? Yeah. For a couple years ago for Mudbound. You go, girl. And she was... It's actually happened a couple times since then, but I think she was the first person ever to be nominated for an acting award and best song the same year at the Oscars. And since... Lady Gaga was for with oh. Stars Born and this year Cynthia Revo is for Harriet because she stars in it and sings a song that got nominated. So just such a trendsetter that Harriet Mary J. Blige. A, a soundtrack? That Harriet? Had like people singing in it? Was it a musical? No, no, no. I mean I think I think Oh, just like a promotional song? Right, yeah. Oh. I mean, you know that how movies like, have like, like the song that plays in the credits or it, I mean I haven't seen the movie, so it could have played at some part in the movie, but Cynthia Revo, obviously she's a theater actor stage act whatever so she does she does music acting everything so anyway J. Blige. i don't think i like any of her music not even the classic 90s stuff mm, 
Not really. The only song that I know that I like that has her in it is Please Call 911 that she has with Black Love Jean. But I just, I'm not, I don't really like a lot of R&B songs. Because it's, I like vocalizations, but that's what a lot of mainstream R&B music is. It's, It's like there's like one verse and then the rest of it is all vocalizations and it's just like oh my god this is yeah. going on forever please just end it yeah. but i'm not like a deep cut mary j blige fan or anything but i mean i like her, her you know like real love and some of the popular stuff in the 90s also her album she did with disclosure a few years ago which is like totally underrated like it didn't mm-hmm. it didn't like sell a ton it was like it was R&B-ish, but it was it was definitely the Disclosure sound, so mm-hmm. it was more electronic than her typical stuff, which I guess is why it probably didn't do as well with her like fan base. normal fan base, I guess. But I, th- I mean, the, I thought there were some really good songs on that, but of course, because the the Disclosure style of production at that time was like, for, you know, one of my probably one of my favorite sounds. But still, I think of all the people in this group that are singing. Wycliffe John and Sarah Bareilles are probably the two that are my that I would say are my favorite. Like I like Cindy Lauper, she's fine, but I don't like too many of her songs. Um, but Sarah Bareilles' first album is fantastic. Like that, that's a great debut album. Moby seems the most out of place in this. I don't know. I don't know why he's there. Remember when he randomly had a couple of mainstream hits out of nowhere? Yeah, late uh, mid nineties. I was thinking it was it was early aughts, wasn't it? When was uh, Radio Rockstar or something like that? I feel like because oh, there's a podcast I'm listening to and they're going through similar to what we do. They do The Simpsons and they're in season ten, and that was like ninety seven, ninety eight was when was that when it was? It was he had that song with Gwen Stefani. Yeah, that, yeah, that's the yeah. Rockstar or oh, whatever okay. it's called. No, go mm-hmm. oh. Going downtown uh, to the east side? South side. South side. South side. That, that was his big breakout hit. And then he had, because um, he, was, he was around the same time as like Fatboy Slim. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he was the bigger star out of that. Um, but yeah, he just had, like, it was late 90s, early 2000s. Because yeah. I mean, he was around before that, but it was more, he was doing more like electronic stuff that wasn't very mainstream. Yeah, it was like, he, he like Gwen Stefani song was the one yeah. that really broke him into the mainstream. And then it was like that album, didn't he like, he licensed all the songs off that just so many things that's why he like it, it, it became like a big thing because it was like he had made he made so much money off of basically licensing every song out to all sorts of commercials mm-hmm. movie trailers, shows yeah. tra- I mean everything yeah, yeah. yeah. I, smart business oh yeah like Jimmy definitely said that's a sellout move but it's also I mean how are you going to make your money that's basically what you're trying to get into get yours get, as get we've yours. learned this episode exactly good job Moby you did you it you gotta strike all the iron top because you might only be around another two years tops yeah so out of this group Mary J. Blige is still relevant. Adam mm-hmm. Levine is still relevant. Sarah Bareilles is. Sarah Bareilles is. She's, yeah. But I'm, I'm talking like um. big mainstream. Um, uh. One of the Beastie Boys has passed away. I don't think it's. I don't think it's the one that's in this episode. It's the one that's not in this episode. Oh, Tyler Pauly. He's also in this. He's the one. Oh, yeah, I mentioned that. You said that. Between, yeah. Um, Cindy Lauper's big, but she's not. I mean, she's like a she's permanent relevant, celebrity, but, she, but she's not, right, she's not, she's not doing anything, yeah. like, super big right now. I'd say those are the two biggest out of this entire group. And it's not a bad thing. It's not a slight against anyone else. But, I mean, after this, Clay Oaken really went more into politics than he did music. And yeah. I, he's back on theater, I think, now. I think he's in a touring Oh, he, yeah. He, uh, at some point last year, too, he toured Greece and played yeah. the Teen Angel. I feel like we've talked about that before. Anyway. He's working, so good. Good for him. It's it still blows my mind that he was the runner up on that season of American Idol, but he had a way bigger career than Ruben Studdard. Well, relatively way bigger. I mean, he never well, became like a big. I mean, he didn't get a huge star, star but I mean, we are still talking about Clay Aiken. That's true. Over Ruben Studdard. Yeah, that's true. He kind of had one hit and one album that did pretty well, but then mm-hmm. it kind of faded after that. Yeah. 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 I guess Shell Crow's the. Mary J. Blige is the biggest out of this. Group. I say Mary J. Blige is yeah. Cheryl Crow Critically is a, is, but I think I mean I, they both release music, but I feel like Mary J. Blige's music is a little bit. It sells her more recent albums have sold more than Cheryl yeah. Crow's. I, mean, I, just, I couldn't tell you if Cheryl Crow's released an album in the last five years. I assume she has because yeah, she has. Seems like every three years an artist releases an album, but yeah. I don't keep up with her. Like she kind of had a renaissance. Album, so. 
Was around the time you had, like Soak Up the Sun? Was that around 2009? Because like it was kind of no, kind of like Soak Up the Sun seemed earlier. Was really that? Because like well, obviously she was super big in the 90s, and then like the late 90s to the early 2000s, it kind of tailed off. And then she had that big comeback around that time, and then she's kind of gone back down to being around. But 2002. Was it really 2002? Holy crap! I think that was her big breakout song, wasn't it? Wow. Well, I mean, her big breakout. Happy was. Her big, yeah, her big breakout. I mean, it was that whole. It, it was, it was do, all, yeah, yeah. All I wanted was her big breakout. Like that was the the Tuesday night music club or Tuesday night music sessions, whatever it was called. Yeah, they came out that had all I want to do and a it few other hits. You. I like that song. It makes you yeah. okay. Yeah, I'm just not a big Cheryl Crow fan. Yeah. What's that one song you like by her that I absolutely hate? My favorite mistake. Ah, uh, do you like that one? I don't like that song. Yeah. She's, I don't know, she's just, she seems like a, an American Alanis Morissette, but worse. Alanis Morissette is fantastic. I Cheryl like Crow's not, not great to me. But to each their own. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I guess we should wrap Whatever up. Whatever happened to Nora, well, Nora speaking Jones. of big, oh, Nora Jones yeah. had two Diamond albums. Yeah. Literally, back two albums back. that have sold 10 million copies, which is... Well, she's she's in. The there's a lot of sales on stage, but it's like it's amazing that she, for like a period of a few years, like I mean, she even had hit single, like really hit singles. She just had like massive albums mm-hmm. and like won all the Grammys mm-hmm. and like, like two kind of fell off. Of, I mean, maybe she just maybe she just was done with the spotlight. She she had you know made so much money off those albums that she decided she just wanted to work on smaller yeah. projects. But it's just crazy that someone. I mean. I guess her music was coming out at a time when it was still possible for artists to sell millions and millions of albums. But it's insane that she literally had two Diamond albums mm-hmm. and kind of just totally never became a big, never became like a big celebrity, but like just yeah. fell off in terms of being, I don't know, around. She sold more than 50 million records. That's insane. Worldwide. That's insane. And I, I mean, Come Away With Me is a fantastic song. It's so yeah. good. I mean, it's a good, yeah, it's like a good a, album. But it's it's like a... I mean, I just remember every time... This is going to date me. I remember every time being in, like, Borders. That was yeah. that was the song that was on over, like, the PA. Because that was just... It's a perfect adult contemporary song. Yeah. It's just, like, mellow. It's chill. It's fantastic. There's a there's a part in that song where, like, there's just, like... She's playing the piano and... Or the whole song. But it's, like... There's like rain in the background. Ah, oh, it's perfect. It's a perfect song. It's a good song. She's been she she come away with me. It's 2002. Feels like home is 2004. Not yeah. too late was 2007. The fall is 2009. Little broken hearts is 2012. 2016 was daybreaks in 2019. Yeah. I mean, she's been releasing stuff. She's been but releasing it's, stuff. But it's like it just hasn't been. I don't know. I mean, it hasn't reached the level of yeah. She hasn't sales and success and coverage. She peaked that, very early, yeah. but she peaked very well in, yeah. in that short amount of time. Yeah, she's oof, twenty five wins total. Oh yes, yeah. it was like I remember it was like it was that time it was like she and Alicia Keys like it was like well it was Alicia Keys, Nora Jones, and you too. It was like there was a, that period where like they just it was like every year it was like they were winning all like whoever released their album that year won all the Grammys mm-hmm. like it was like they were the huge Grammy darlings in that time. You go, Nora Jones. And she's the daughter of Ravi Shankar. Yeah. I didn't know that. Anyway. Anyway, geez. Yeah. Nora Jones. Mary J. Blige. Congratulations. You go, girls. Yeah. No, but that's the end of the third season of 30 Rock. Uh, any thoughts that we have on the season overall? Now that you've taken it back in a second time. Yeah. In a long so time. I feel like the third season, well, we talked about this before, the third season is when it is, is the start of when like people talk about the, the peak of 30 Rock. Mm-hmm. And like watching it through... I mean, there were tons of good episodes, but it's like feeling like you know we went through, and there were a few episodes that like weren't as good. So it's like, were there really that that much of a better ratio than season two? Because like I feel like season two and season one had their moments where yes, they were like not as good episodes, but they're also strong episodes. Maybe it's that the highs of the season were higher. I don't know. I just I I, I remember because as, as we've been going through the season, I've kind of been thinking like thinking about that and thinking I don't know like it is it doesn't feel like it's necessarily that much stronger than season two in terms of having more successful episodes like it seems like the ratio is about the same there's you know not i wouldn't say necessarily does but just like lesser episodes here and there that it feels like at the same rate but maybe i don't know maybe people just think feel like the the highs of the season are higher than the previous seasons yeah but i don't, I don't know <coughs> if i agree with that though i feel like I, I don't know i feel like there have been standard episodes in each season that stand up to 
this one. I think season three is where it really just accepted its identity of being a live action cartoon and that carries that into season four because season four is where I know there are just hit, hit, hit. Just so many moments, episodes. Uh, We get a new cast. We get a new cast character. Uh, uh, We get Michael Sheen come on. Um, We get uh, Floyd back. We get just so many moments. We get Meat Cat. We get Meat Cat in the next episode. So hold on for that. We just get so many moments in season four uh, that I feel like season three is the is the crest, and then season four is the wave hitting, and that's that's where I think a lot of memories are for a lot of people. And then season five is the rolling in of the water, if I can continue this metaphor. And then season six and seven are the going back out to the sea because just there's moments in those seasons, but just can't quite match what season the tail end of season three and most or if not all of season four and some of season five just is bringing in so uh, i'm very much looking forward to it but i agree with you i think people have really fond memories of season three but i think it's the tail end of season three and season four mm-hmm. is where most of those memories fall but you'll just have to stay tuned and let us know at the end of season four what you think if you think people maybe are too generous to 30 Rock after 10 years and it doesn't still live up yeah. to its height. Well, it's interesting because season four, like the end of season three going to season four is when I would have started watching it week to week because I think I told you, but like it wasn't until, right. So, the, so these episodes that we, the end of season three aired the spring of 2009, mm-hmm. which is when I graduated from college. It was like that spring semester was when I like caught up through the all of 30 Rock up to that point. So like we're getting to the point now as we go into next season when I started watching on a weekly basis too. So I wonder, I don't know, it could be that my perception will we'll have to see like how if, if that affects my perception because but obviously like as we've been going through it for the podcast, that's the first time I've seen any, any of these episodes since I first watched it 10 years ago. So like I don't know, just like I wonder if 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 because I watched those first three seasons so fast that like I, I mm. watching them week to week, I've been able to evaluate them and say, oh, like there, you know, there are all these good moments. Like, and whereas before it was like I watched them all fast, so I moved through it. And then when I got to season four, like I was watching it weekly, so there was more time to digest. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, we'll have to see. I mean, as someone who's watched it multiple times, I, I stand by my whole wave allegory of that season three is where the crest yes. season four is where it's hitting and i think season four is is where a lot of the memories are had for a lot of this show but i don't think after that there's that many hits that we come to remember or expect from season from season five six and seven because seven seven is shortened seasons like 13 right. episodes right six i couldn't even tell you the storylines of six but full disclosure those were the two that i kind of have watched the have rewatched the least because usually by the time I get to season five I'm just like this is where the series takes a turn and it's not bad it's not unwatchable it's just not as funny near the tail end but um, I'm more than looking forward to to, to rewatching them and, and getting through them again but yeah I just I think season four is really its peak and I'm I don't want to be proven wrong, but I'm looking forward to it. We'll find out. We'll find out. So as always, thank you for joining us on Go To There. If you like what we're doing, rating and reviewing and all that fun stuff, it's going to be the best way to help us out. Uh, And uh, we will see you next time in episode 59, season four, episode one, entitled season four. And we will let you go out with the fantastic kidney song. I guess it's just called Give a Kidney. Now. I think it's just called Kidney Now, actually. Like the episode title. Yeah, just like the episode title. Oh, look at that. Ah, Where do they get their ideas? Ah, But anyway, David, take us out. See you next season. Lemon, how are you? You know what? I'm good. I got a book deal, a free sandwich in my pocket, and I have this weird loose feeling in my shoulders. What is that? It's either happiness or osteoporosis. I think it's happiness. You're getting yours. Jack, what have you done? I called in every favor I had. He's my dad, Liz. 
Oh my God, Cheryl Crow! We were best friends in elementary school. Hi, Cheryl. We're live in three, I'll talk two. To you later. Sometimes life brings pain and strife, and all seems wrong. That is when you find a friend and write a song. So give the gift of giving, give it far and give it wide. Take the leap, reach down deep inside, and just give a kidney. When someone starts talking in the middle of a song, you know it's serious. So give Milton a kidney. We all believe in this cause so much that we're doing it for free. Except for Cheryl. That's right, I'm the only one getting paid. And only three of us are drunk. Milton Green needs a kidney. Just like I need this beard. You don't want to know what's under here. And while you don't have two beards, you do have two kidneys. Think of it this way, if I had two dollars, I'd give you one, wouldn't I? I'm one of the drunk ones. They say that two is better than one. But sometimes one is better than two. If you had two heads, you wish you had one. How is this different? If you had two dogs attacking you, you'd want just one. Then we prove the point. What are you talking about? It's May. There's no such thing as bisexual. That's just something they invented in the 90s to sell hair products. Deal breaker.